Welcome to Beyond the Roadmap, Product Talk with AWH, a podcast for product people, by product people. Join us as experts share their experiences and expertise to help you build great products. Hey everyone, it's Ryan Frederick from AWH. I've got uh, Mike Papadak with me from iViewit today. We're going to talk about focusing on a company that, that starts out with the potential to be a product company, but does some services at the beginning and then continues with the intention of becoming a product company and doesn't fall into the trap of, of being a services company, which is near and dear to my heart, as Mike knows, because when we met, those are some of the first things that we talked about, because I see so many companies sort of fall into that services trap and never become the product company that, that they could otherwise become. So Mike, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Give everybody a, yeah, a my little pleasure, bit. Of, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you, and and give everybody a sense of of your background pre I view it, and then what I view it is, what problem you solve, who you solve it for, and and how you solve it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, just had two jobs, I guess, or or, or work for two companies prior to to founding I view it. A couple of big ones though. So spent you know, after college, spent about eleven years uh, inside of PepsiCo. Uh, mostly with Frito-Lay, um, worked everywhere locally from, you know, starting on a truck with their training program, um, then, you know, make my way to headquarters and then really finding my way in, in the, on the customer side, right? Calling on large uh, banners like Walmart and Kroger, or Giant Eagle and those things. So great training, great company, um, great products, right? And, and really taught me a whole lot. And then ultimately, uh, a good friend of mine and, and co-founder of iViewit, uh, we worked together there. He left um, to a company at the time called Brickman, um, which is the largest land uh, and snow removal company, so exterior facilities uh, in the nation. And they were starting something new in New Albany. Uh, and, and, you know, it was one of those times it was an opportunity to, to try something new. Um, and you go from working for, at the time, a huge, you know, corporately run company to, at the time, Brickman was a privately held company, uh, family-owned company. Um, but then when I got there, they switched, uh, changed their name, bought their competitor, went public. So I had a, a good learning experience of going through all of that. Um, but then it, it got me in from consumer packaged goods into, into facilities, which was its own uh, unique industry I had known nothing about, but was, was very strong on the customer side. Um, got to work with large uh, banners like Chase Bank, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, Dollar General, et cetera. Uh, and learn about the the problems that that they had, and you know through that, uh, what what Brightview was trying to do is what again they changed their name to. This is creating this aggregator model so that you know their business model of you know an eight man crew managing this large like the Polaris Chase uh, facility, but how do they service you know the thousands and thousands of of branches? And it became very evident one of the missing pieces in all of that, despite having technology to manage their contractors and their own boots on the ground is the landscape uh, literally was changing um, daily and just not having data and information. And so we kind of set out on the road of saying, hey, there, we see a, a problem and, and we called it a blind spot at the time of, hey, I, I've serviced, you know, we're responsible for 5,000 Chase locations, but I can't tell Chase right now the status of X, Y, and Z from a compliance standpoint. And, and really that's what 
what I view it is and, and was born into was, hey, how do we become a bridge for these folks who manage, you know, multi-sites, you know, properties, dispersed portfolios to get some really fast uh, and needed information quickly? Um, and we do it through a crowdsource model. Uh, we've got over 200,000 uh, what we call viewers who use our um, app on their smartphones to, to, to take photos and, and supply information back to uh, folks that, that then can make some really good um, uh, decisions based on that and not limit their resources of, you know, in the case of uh, Brightview, we had guys running around in F-250s doing quality control checks because of their, them hearing, hey, there's a problem here, there's a problem there, right? So it really started speeding up information in that industry. And then, you know, we, we, we understood facilities management and property management, and then it turned into residential, then it turned into insurance. And now we're working in municipalities because everybody's kind of still has that, hey, I need information quickly. I, it's hard for me to gather it. I want to trust that it's accurate. So we're a third party, which customers like. So that's really kind of the, the how we got there, the, the who we are, the what we do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it's interesting that because I'm assuming that whether you're a large facility operator or you're like a bright view and you're serving and servicing a, a you know, a volume a facility operator, that it makes zero sense for them to have their own teams and, and their own people be able to go out and do audits of, of these various facilities because their 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 overhead from a personnel perspective would be so far out of control that it, it doesn't make financial sense, operational sense, et cetera, where you through your court crowdsourced model then can leverage somebody who's already in market where the facility is and in, a, and in a relatively short period of time, go do some sort of an audit or verification. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we'll go see an entire Dollar General portfolio of over 16,000 sites in a couple of days and the data all coming back in the same way, in the same manner, um, which was hard for them to cap, right? Because we, we train and we kind of dictate and, and help educate those folks on what is to be captured. We we do the quality control on the back end as well, which is a huge value add um, so that they know things are escalated and where to focus. So if you go to all those locations and know there's just a certain amount you really need to focus your time on or, or hey, where X, Y and Z exist. Again, now you're speeding up execution to the field, which is, again, helping service their their own stores, their own customers, which is, again, really a win, win, win for everybody involved in the, in the process. Yeah. So when, when we first met, you, you, I view it was still relatively new and you were sort of figuring out, okay, how do, how do we generate revenue? How do we generate profit? How do we begin to sort of validate some of the model, right? And some of our assumptions with, mm -hmm. with customers doing real, doing real views. Uh, but you, you have the intention and desire to actually become a product and platform company. But you were very mindful of the fact that you, at the beginning, you were much more of a services firm than you wanted to be. Why was that even sort of top of mind for you to have that awareness of, geez, we're, we're, we're more of a service firm than a product company right now. And you knew that was sort of a risk. Yeah. And, and it, well, and it, and it came from myself and Matt, you know, my co-founder, I was a sales guy. He's an operator and, and we're really good at those things. Right. And, and we knew there was a problem and we wanted to build a solution and as we build that solution, you know, our, our instincts were, how do we, how do we go make that solution 
better, right? And we want to make sure that it's 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 solving the need that our customers that the pain that we felt that they that they had felt. But then it became like, okay, we built it, and it's like, okay, now let's just ride this thing out. We've we've built it. Why why improve it? It's working. Um, and you know, it was it was something that you know, as you're starting a business and you're starting to try to grow it from a revenue standpoint, you're like. Yeah, but it would cost us X, Y, and Z to invest. Well, it's not broke, so so don't, right? And we're just continuing. And, and it was great as you started getting people on board. But then, you know, our our mindset is you listen to the customer. And as you as you fulfill the customer's needs, they start asking you other questions and other questions and other questions. What about this? Could you do this? What could 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 my portal do this? Or what about integrations? And then it just quickly started to get to a place where we're like, hey, we, you know we're an operator and a salesperson and you know if we had to do it over we'd probably have brought that technology person in right away um from the start but it also helped us focus on just building the product and how we wanted it to work without so much of the technology you know kind of behind it of of telling us no you got to do this you got to do this so what as we built it, it it was one of those things that the technology side always felt like Hey, if there was three three legs to this chair, that was the one that was kind of missing. It was one we weren't spending as much at the time as we were building it um, in, in investing in it as we were in training our people and operations and sales and some of that. And it 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 took a while for us, candidly, because we, it was outside of our comfort zone to say, you know what, we're going to operate like a technology company. We're going to spend like a technology company on the products and and the things that are out there because you know it's we, we often say hey we're you know when we first started we said hey we're not a technology company we're, we're just arms and legs and we're sending people out to take photos but then we realize is like no everything we do revolves on our platform on our app what else can it do what else can it provide how can it be more efficient and so you know we started really making the investments and in, and in, in, in that and then realizing, hey, there's ways to monetize this through subscription plans, through API connectivity. There, there's this whole other way to make this thing work uh, and make it work profitably, while at the same time providing a great service to our customers. Was there some discomfort around the realization that, that okay, we're, we, we, we really need to be a technology company, we really need to be a software product company, if we're going to reach our potential and if we're going to make and we're going to unlock some of these things that you mentioned, or was it was it an easy choice to say, yeah, we're, we're you know, we're, we're going to we're going to become this tech company that we at the beginning said we didn't really want to be or didn't think we were going to be. Yeah, no, it was, it was really hard, actually. And it was one of those that that, you know, me and, and Matt had a lot of discussions about. And, and I think we both knew that was the answer. But it took us longer than we thought to get there and make those decisions. And then, you know, from the MVP model, when we built it, you know, we kind of outsourced and did some of it overseas. And then we brought it in and we contracted. And then it was like, no, we're going to build our own development team and we're going to go hire for these people. And then it, it, and it was, well, we don't know everything that we need to know there. So then it was surrounding ourselves with the right leadership on the technology side and, and other valued folks that we trust to go do it. But again, We've always been, and we're a bit somewhat of an anomaly from a startup. We've always been in the black, right? We've been operating and building this thing um, in a way that we've always been mindful of, of the bottom line, and we started to see where that the the dollars were going to go. And you know, you obviously know this. It's 
it's one thing when someone's building a house for you, but when you're building technology and you're not a technology person and you're saying, well, why isn't this ready? Or, you know, why isn't this done? And, 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 and resetting ourselves to having the patience and understanding that, hey, there was some tech, technical debt we had created for ourselves and we had to kind of get ourselves out of that hole as well. And it just, you had to evolve as, as a leader, as a business owner, um, you know, it, it, all of it. And it, it was, it was hard, but it, it, there, there, there was a distinct time that we're like, you know what, we, we've got to lean in if we're going to be who we think we're going to be. Yeah. Well, you mentioned an, an important point, which is you guys were intentional about being in the black and being profitable from the beginning. And w which is a great mindset because I think there's too many startups now who, you know, punt profitability to some elusive point in the future that they're not even sure when that's going when that's going to happen. And so there's that side of it. Then there's the other side of it where some startups are profitable at the beginning because they look more like a services company than a product company. And then that becomes sort of, you know, the golden handcuffs that never allow them to invest in becoming a product company because revenue and profitability, if you're a small company, are alluring because you can pay your bills and yeah. you can live, right? And you don't have to go out and raise a, a, a shit ton of outside money, right? Because you can sort of fund your lifestyle and you can grow the company from your own coffers. So how challenging was the balance of, yeah, we want to be in the black, but we also want to invest in the future and become a product company and maybe even have to cannibalize some of the profit, right? Being generated out of some of the early services to help fund, right? Where you're going to go. Because you guys also have, haven't raised a, a, a bunch of money in comparison to a lot of other startups, right? Correct. And, you know, and it, it actually, I mean, something... I, I actually, you probably don't remember this. I ran into you speaking at one of the, I forget even what it was. It was a, a startup uh, talk in Columbus years ago. And you had said something about working with customers, right? On funding, you know, your business and startup. And as we looked at it and, and with strategics and, and VC, private equity, all this other stuff, you know, it was one of those, as we said, hey, we probably do need to, to go get a little bit of money. Um, to help just kind of get and really just from a comfort standpoint, because it's, I don't know that we've ever and if you know our business model, the cash flow can be a little bit squirrely um, because of how fast we pay our viewers. So even when we get big projects and seeing things on the horizon said, hey, we got to have at least something to cover us as these big projects are coming in. So we were very um, distinct in working with and looking for folks in our space who knew the type of customer or the, the type of business we were and the value in it and what categories it kind of helped serve with our customers to look for some um, moderate investments to help us with that. But that was that was it. And, 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 you know, that was a good experience for Matt and me because, man, did that take a lot of time and energy, right, to, to put things together, to talk to folks. And we, we chose not to go the VC route because we didn't want to stay on this treadmill of raise, 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 raise. We said, let's figure out what we think is the smallest amount we truly need to still be pragmatic about this. And Matt and I complement each other really well when we're trying to do these things. Um, and, you know, we've built a culture, too, I think, that that we can attract talent um, because of that culture for the right price points, all of that without spending and spending and spending. So there's a few different ways that we kind of went about it, uh, but to stay true to who we were and who we wanted to be as a company. Would you 
have maybe had a different mindset if you weren't operating in the black from the beginning. Um, if, if, so if you had been losing money, right. At, um, at the outset, right. Would you, do you think that your perspective would have been different or do you think that you guys would have had enough confidence in the, the problem and your approach to solving it that you're like, no, 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 we're only a month away from being in the black. So we don't need to go to ra raise a bunch yeah. of money. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but I think, you know, we've always believed in it, the product, you know, itself and knew there was a need out there. And so we've had that mindset of, of being patient and we've had plenty of times early on where like, I don't know if we're going to make it. And then it, it started to come through, but if had it gone too far one way, I, you know, and, and we, we said, you know what, we have to have, you know, a boatload of cash to get going. I think we would have found a way to do it because we believe in it. And, and again, what we're, what we've created now is started in facilities, but we talk about this product of we've got all these photos and, and all this data and, and how do we start turning that into almost a marketplace for the folks that are utilizing it and coming to, because again, in the facilities world, so much is changing. Same thing in the residential world, municipalities and understanding what did these properties look like and having the history and not just the photos, the questions that go along with it with someone actually being on the ground. So I, you know, I think if it came, if push came to shove, we would have probably said, okay, we're, we're going to go. But we, you know, we, we didn't extend ourselves too much and it always kept us kind of grounded. And, and, and for us, and it is different for everybody, I'm sure it was the right way to go about it. How different would the company look if you had not been intentional about becoming a product company? And if you had remained a, a little bit more of a, of a services company, um, do you, do you think that you, you, I mean, I'm assuming you wouldn't have been able to support the growth that you've had to the extent that you have, and you certainly wouldn't have all the unlocks that you're not talking about. Um, do you think that would it would be uh, look like a very different company if you hadn't been intentional about digging in around we're going to become a product company and we're going to become a tech company come come hell or high water? Yeah, I think so. And and one, I think from a culture standpoint, right? I think that would have left us, you know, very just in our space right and and one of our core values is is disruption and, and and being different and looking for and pushing the envelope which is it which trickles over to our culture so i think one thing is had we not acted that way i i think this you know i, I look around and i think about the people that work here why they work here I, I don't think they would look the same and i think that would be a bad thing to start right there right um let alone where it goes I think we wouldn't have, you know, our customers wouldn't have kept coming back to us with, hey, can you do this? What about this? Because we'd have labeled ourselves, no, we're, this is who we are. We're a product or we're a, a service company. This is what we do. This is our offering. And I think that would have been, you know, a big problem, uh, you know, on top of that. And it's just, you know, it, it um, it's just not a, not the space that we wanted to be. Right. And I, I think that the, the place just would have looked drastically different. Um, and, and then, then you, you risk becoming a commodity, right? And that's what I learned being at, at Brightview and we joke about it a little bit, but you know, when we were there, you know, there, there, there's a lot of companies that do what they do and you are all managing the same contractors who mowed the grass for say Chase Bank. So if right. they fired us, they went and hired one of our competitors who went and hired the same folks that we were managing but they were doing it, either managing it better, or using technology to do it better. So it was like the, you didn't want to become that commodity. And, and, and again, Brightview was working very hard to, to work themselves themselves out of that too. But we didn't want to be a commodity in what we did from data gathering 
And by being able to continue to, to look at what the market needed and build products that they wanted, we felt that helped protect us. How, how have you, and, and if you can speak for Matt too, you know, that would be great, but how have you guys had to sort of evolve as, as leaders and operators to um, embrace sort of the unknown and the scary of not being tech guys, not being software product guys, but having to get up to speed really quickly on what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we lead a tech company versus how do we lead a facility services company? Yeah. Well, I think one is, you know, it's letting go of the reins a little bit, which he probably does a better job of than I do. Um, and that's just by nature. And, and you surround yourselves with the right people to, to make those decisions, you know, for you and, and having the right team built kind of around that, I think, you know, was, was a real big part of it. And, you know, we, our technology call, and we have a few different things. We, we kind of practice traction um, here. It's a great book, great way to kind of start scaling your business. And some of our different um, L10 meetings that we have, you know, the technology call was one that used to like early on, we had it, you weren't paying attention as much, you know, they're just kind of going through, they're throwing the cards up, etc. Now it is like, it's probably the call I'm most hunkered into, at least for the points that I need to, like, if I have some things that are burning platforms, like we're going to dig in and we're going to get through those things. And there's a lot more folks on those calls from different departments now than just say development and me and Matt. Um, so it, that has grown and, and, and we've kind of made it a bigger point inside the company as a focus, right? It's kind of the same. And I learned this at Frito-Lay around, you know, HR, good companies bring HR right up there at the seat at the table, right? With other, you know, with sales, with, with finance, all this other stuff, operations. Well, it was kind of that way here with technology. We kind of like they're over here, but we we're a tech company. Now it's, it's extremely elevated. Everybody understands how important those calls are the sprints that we're planning, the product that we're working on and start to understand, hey, why are things breaking and understanding this tech stack? And, and you know, it's just so we've had to educate ourselves and, and it's continued to trickle down within our organization. And, and again, it wasn't easy and we could have been, you know, kind of stubborn and said, no, we're going to just hire the people and they're going to do it. So that was part of it. But we're starting to become students of it as well. And then, like I said, as leaders, making sure that our team knows that this, this is elevated inside. This is the most important work that we're doing. Were you getting any advice and or encouragement, to put it positively, from advisors and or, you know, board members um, about, hey, don't get sucked into being a services firm. You, you need to be a tech company. You need to be a product company. Were you getting a, some outside advisement and direction around that, too? Absolutely. And I mean, obviously, we speak a lot and, you know, listening to you talk through it and then listening to our board. And, and really, it's like, as you're building this and it's just with anybody, it's like, how do you how do you maximize it? How does it become bigger? Right. Are you content with with, with where we're at? And so, yeah, I mean, everybody says, hey, do you don't want to get stuck here. So try, you know, where are ways we can in, where can we invest? Where can we buy some things? Do we develop it? Do we build it? Do we buy it? You know, what are these different areas? And we're challenged constantly to bring those things up and talk about, um, you know, our roadmap is is on in, in all of our board decks, obviously. And it, it has evolved from, OK, here's what we're working on to really some robust future thinking um, and what's going into that. And then, you know, we're surrounded with a lot of good companies who have the same problems we do. So you know, it's probably once or twice a month. I'm on the phone with other companies on what struggles they're they're looking at, what things have they changed, 
what what are they seeing a different way of of you know structuring or working with their teams? Um, and then as we grow, it's it's the same thing as okay now. How do you protect it? How do you make sure you're you know you're 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 safe, you're secure? And there's so many more things now when you go into it, like oh wait, I was just sending people out to get photos. There's so much more that goes into it. And like I said, it's 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 listening to those folks. It's kind of checking off those boxes um, and putting them on the board for everybody to see and say hey. Here's, here's an issue that we see, it's not right now, but this is gonna be an issue six months from now. How do we build to, uh, you know, to, to make sure we're not exposed or how do we build so that we do have this offering? So there's a lot and it comes from all angles and, and you spend more time talking about the technology uh, and then the products than you ever did before about just the execution at the field level, which was all we talked about, right? You know, at Frito-Lay and, and at Brightview because you're, it's putting bags of chips on, it's mowing grass. Um, this is, is, is becoming so much more. What has surprised you the most about digging in and having to learn the tech, tech product stuff, either in a good way or, or a bad um, way? It's been, just, it's been positive and what's been negative. Well, for me personally, the, I mean, I was, I grew very, I was early on, I was very frustrated with anything and everything from a technology standpoint. It, it just, in this, it shows, I guess my, lack of knowledge at the time and truly what needed to go in to build the right products, right? I just, I wanted it now. I, hey, if there was a budget or if there was a timeline, I expect you to hit it. And I, I still expect that, but I've learned that so many things can come up along the way. So just patience, I think, with with the process um, in, in building products, I think is, is you know, something that you think is going to take forever takes a week and something you think that should take a week takes six months. Right. And, and as long as you trust the folks that are, are building in, you're working with, then it, communicating that to the organization, to the customers, to, to the viewers. And, and, and so that's been something I've learned and, and truly I've tried to evolve and would tell you, I probably had some very short conversations early on that now I'm much more understanding. I'm more about what do you need from me? How do we, how can I help you? What resources can we add to, to go faster if we need to go faster? Um, so for me, it's been a lot around patience. And then I'm just impressed with, with what good developers and, and what they can do and how they do it. Um, so it's just a, it's a whole new respect for that. And again, I'm, I call myself that knuckle dragon, dragon sales guy, right? I'm just, I want to sell stuff. I want to fulfill, but Truly, the art of building great products um, is something that I that I definitely have learned uh, along the way. What advice would you give to other companies who are starting out that are a little bit services oriented because they haven't had a chance to build out the product yet? Yet they want mm -hmm. to become a product company. What have you learned that that you you would share with them if you ran into somebody who was in that situation? Yeah, I mean, a couple things. I think one. You know, finding if, if they're similar to how Matt and I came about this and, and te the technology side isn't, you know, in their their leadership group, finding that person early, um, but also being able to control, you know, because also the technology folks can want to build things and build things just to build things. I still wanted always to go fast, get the products out. So we made sure it was fulfilling that. But finding that person and, and those people early um, for us, you know, saying no um, to customers at, when we couldn't deliver on some things, I think was was important for us to do. And and because at the time we probably would have been stretched too thin, we wouldn't have been able to build it fast enough. So I think it was okay to to know there was an evolution that was going to occur. 
to say, hey, we're going to get this product right, you know, this product, this service, and what this core offering is going to be, and be okay with that. And then so you're not running in a bunch of different directions because you want to be this product company. It, it took us some time and we perfected that. We built our, our niche. And then from there, we started to layer on. So I think what, what I've seen and I've heard is when you try to be everything to everyone, right? And you're trying to build all these different products, like that would would would, sk- would have scared me. I think we wouldn't have been as successful had we done that um, without really the, uh, the right infrastructure. So I, I think, you know, we said no to a lot of things and a lot of customer requests early on that, you know, didn't end up hurting us and may have hurt us had we fell on our face and failed, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a it's a trap that is easy to fall into. Customers say, "Well, if you, if you would just do this for us in addition to what you're doing, and then oh, and then do this other thing in addition to that thing, right? That your service mix grows and it grows to a point that you almost can't replicate it in the product. And so, what you end up replicating in the product yep. is just some small portion of your service mix, and then customers will be disappointed with the product because they're like." Yeah, but you you do services wise, you do these thirteen things for us, but the product only captures one. The product's not that good, right? And and a good example of that would be, I mean, we're a, we're a, you can think of us as an audit or site inspection company, right? That's what we do. But our platform was built for everyday folks to to do it, right? And at Brightview or any of these contractors, they have their own software for their trained technicians to complete surveys in, right? And we could have, and, and we're there now, but our early on was like, hey, we could be that one-two punch that, you know, their people can use our software and, you know, our viewers can use it. But it wasn't as good as it needed to be for their the, the technical person, right? That technician, people, but right. it was very good. Right, right, yeah. But it was very good for the viewers. Had we rolled out and tried to push that, they'd have been like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Um, because it, it, it wasn't serving the same population. Now we've got a way that we can kind of build it for that that expert or the, the everyday person that's completing a view, right? So, How critical has it been that you've, because I my experience is building intimately with customers. That's where I've had the most success over the course of my career, building products and building companies. You know, I, I'm I'm not a visionary. I, I I can't get, you know, I can't get in front of you know humanity and and build something that people are going to want twenty years from now. I'm not that smart. I'm not that skilled. Right. How important ha- has it been for you guys that you you were so close to customers coming out of Brightview, and that you've stayed so close to them? How important has that been to the evolution of the product and the company? Yeah, I actually had that down as I didn't mark up a whole lot of notes here, but I had one that says deep partnerships, right? It was one of those things that our our early adopters and the customers that understood who Matt and I were and got on board with the service we were providing and then, you know, spending time with them, building it, perfecting it. Um, and, and, and looking at their business and saying, well, how, how can this help you? And then as we helped them and then we grew, those conversations became, well, what are others using iView it for? Maybe we could too. And, and, you know, they're growing their portfolios and executing better for their customers because of it. And it's, it's having those conversations. And sometimes they're, they're bad conversations, right? Your best customers, you're going to have, 
you're going to have it out sometimes, right? That they're unhappy with something. But as long as, and it goes back to who Matt and I were coming in from a service standpoint, they knew we were going to do everything we could to correct that because we're good salespeople, good operators. But then those deep partnerships led us to all kinds of other opportunities. So it, it's critical. It's critical early. Uh, and it's critical not to forget them because as we've grown, you know, some of those first customers aren't even our largest customers anymore, but they're still the most progressive in thinking about our business, how to utilize it. Um, so keep going back and talking with them. And, and, and candidly, many of them have turned into friendships. And, and that's that's what's great about business, I think, in general. Um, you can you can build these products. You're, you're, you're helping your customers who, you know, again, uh, we've got the best customers. I mean, we really do. Uh, and it started with those deep partnerships early on. What's the future look like for you guys? Is it is it continuing to expand the platform and unlocking some of those monetization opportunities that you that you referenced earlier and sort of market expansion from commercial into residential into into municipal? Is that is that in essence you know the the roadmap and the model? Yeah, I mean it's it's visual inspection services, right? And however wherever that is utilized, we're going to be. Um, obviously, we are, our our core offering is you know this viewer network that goes fast, is extremely affordable. Um, we're flying drones now. We're working on augmented reality for measurements. Um, we're going to all kinds of different categories and, and helping. Um, like I said, the, the 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 municipality stuff is just has been huge, and and we've got a couple of different states looking at that. Um, but being able to answer, hey, I need to visually inspect something quick that no matter how that gets done, whether it's a simple viewer or a trained technician or a drone or a few of other other things, we want to be that offering um, in the industries that we serve, um, that we, we are trusted um, to get it done, to get it done right. And uh, again, to get it done affordably, we're, we're all about really fast nickels, not slow dimes. So how do we disrupt the market? Um, and say, hey, you know, your, your, your trained folks probably need to go do these, but these things we can do for you fast, give you the answers and make it really consumable data um, that, that drives execution um, for the field. Well, kudos on the continued growth and success and um, not getting trapped inside the services piece and, and really being intentional about building out the platform and unlocking all that potential, um, because I don't think you would have been able to unlock you know, all those things and have the opportunities in front of you. If you had sort of remained, uh, we're just going to, we're just going to connect, you know, facility managers and companies with viewers. And we're just going to do that. And we're going to send spreadsheets around and we're going to be good with that. Um, because it's, right. it's easy, it's easy to, to fall into that and say, yeah, this is good enough. And we're going to, we're going to be happy with this. Well, and I'll tell you, and as for folks that are out there listening to this, we're finding some of those folks in the worlds that we're going into that weren't facilities. And we, we jump into like, oh, how's it done today? And they kind of show us like, ah, they got stuck in just providing the service and they didn't evolve. And here we come in, people are like, this is amazing, right? So, you know, it's, it's something that we're seeing play itself out, unfortunately, for other companies that may have got stuck in that. So um, it's definitely worth spending the time researching and, 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 and getting to that point. And, and thankfully for us, you know, we've been able to get there so far. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can email me, uh, mike.popadak at iviewit.com. Uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my phone number's on there. Reach out, text me, at, and any any which way. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm always available, right? So, um, yeah, appreciate that. Mike, great to chat with you, my man. Uh, thanks for doing it. Enjoyed it. 
All right, save you, Ryan. Thanks, man. Have a great day. Need some help with product? AWH is a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm here to help you create great digital products. Check out www.awh.net or follow us on Twitter at awhnet to learn more.